feet. I don't, sometimes I try to say things that are cliches, I guess, that, but you know, I mix up stuff like that quite often, and let's just go ahead and let's just talk about the 800-pound gorilla in the room this morning. <laughs> let's just go ahead and talk about it. Shane was shorn. He's no longer the bearded psalmist. He's just the psalmist now. It's going to take some adapting, and adapting from on his part, our part. Um, I think Gracie cried. I heard. I heard. I don't know why, but she did. That's just a family thing, I guess, and such. But, well, you know, it's better just to talk about things and get them out in the open and pretend that, you know, so we'll adjust. We will adjust. I think that if there's one thing that m many of you were noticing in that moment when you came in and, and our worship leader looked entirely different is that he had more gray hair in his beard than Pastor Brown does. <laughs> I, I know that was in the, some of your thoughts. And Shane, let me tell you, that's saying quite a lot, just to be honest. But nonetheless, we're going to press on. We've talked about it now. It's not going to be a distraction to us, is it? No. Another, we're going to go ahead, we're talking about grooming, we're all going to go ahead and talk about attire this morning. I have noticed that some of the ladies attire today, I've noticed, I've noticed several of your, what you're wearing, and we can see who the influencer is in this church family. Y'all look around just on your own, don't be judging people, but you just look around and look for those in black and white. That's all I'm saying, I'm not going to say anything else about it, but you just look, even at the ladies that are prone to sit on the front row over here, hmm, so we'll just, again, that's now that, that, that gorilla's been addressed too, and we'll move him out of the way, I do want to share um, two announcements with you real quickly, I mean, there were several that are on the screen, we try not to lose a lot of time by sharing announcements, but we want you to always be watching up there about information, but at the uh, two weeks from today, it's a fifth Sunday, we're going to have very special visitors with us, the Lut family, who are missionaries to Ukraine, and uh, they're going to be with us because they're stateside since the beginning of the war. And uh, they're just, uh, the, the general council, the Assemblies of God has given them permission, though, in the sense it's not their typical itinerating time. They've received permission to be able to go and share because a lot of people would have interest in what God was doing in a very, very difficult situation. God is doing with, in missions. And so they're going to be with us two weeks from today. And we're going to have a dinner fellowship immediately after a fellowship meal. We, in, we thank God for those. They're one step below revival. Come on. And, uh, we, but some of you signed up to be a part of a kitchen team or whatever. And some of you will be con being contacted over the next couple of weeks. Because it takes a little bit of effort from us to pull something like that off. Right? Yes. And so, but it's a great day. Put it on your calendar. We're using that as a moment, as a fellowship to highlight missions in our church and in the assemblies of God, that, that the missions endeavors, that the opportunities when 
Joe mentioned tithing, but many of us, we give beyond the tithe, and we include a missions offering, uh, and, and we are so grateful for that opportunity to do so. So we'll, we'll be sharing more with you on that particular day, but just put it on your calendar, plan to join us, plan to bring a dish to share two weeks from today. Would you take the, your Bible and, and stand, please, as we're going to turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter number 9. And uh, there's only a couple passages of Scripture I'm going to read uh, from today, but just one brief passage to commence. And this text of Scripture is just where I'm creating context from today, and I'll share with you just a little bit more here in a few moments. So it's in um, Luke's Gospel, chapter number 9. Verses 57 through 62. I know you were nervous that I was going to read the entirety of the chapter, the 62 verses. But we're going, to, we're going to get right in here at the 57th verse. Now, why don't you just read these words, and let's just follow this. It's just a little excerpt from the life of Jesus. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And it doesn't seem as if the man followed him. So we'll, we're going to talk about that in a moment. Verse 59, And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at my home or at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, from these passages of Scripture, something I'm going to talk to you about. It's the final message in a three-part series related to the will of God. And the will of God is certainly something that if your heart is pliable to the Lord, that you, you pursue it. You do. It's something that you, you, you're just, it's woven into your spiritual DNA. Um, Lord, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's something that we pursue. One of the things that I've discovered in my walk of faith is that the will of God is not always easily discernible. And we have to search diligently. But I do believe that God speaks to us, don't you? And directs our steps. And I shared last week from Psalm 27, God promises to lead you into a plain path. Now, in that same context today, I'm going to share with you, it's a long title, perhaps not a long sermon, but a long title, but something related to following the will of God is indecision that we have to learn to overcome. We have to overcome this indecision by learning to make better decisions. That empowers you to overcome indecision when you've had a precedent of making good decisions. And I'll talk to you more about it here in just a moment. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord for his help today. Father, I love you. And I'm thankful today, God, in the name of Jesus for the Holy Spirit and the presence of God that's in this sanctuary. And Father, I don't believe that you just simply chose to hover over this building. I believe it's because the people created an habitation for you by their worship. Because your word says that you are enthroned in the praises of your people. So God, we believe that you chose to tabernacle among us to reveal yourself because the people chose to worship. I pray, Lord, today for a continuation of the spirit of God, the presence of God that's in the sanctuary. Father, truly in agreement with Joe's prayer today, let preaching come easy in this house today. Let the hearts and the minds of the listener, God, be readily receptive to the Word of God. In Jesus' name, 
And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Now, as you're seated, last week I told you, and perhaps even two weeks ago when I started this three-part series, I said, if you're new to our church, don't judge me in the entirety of my preaching based upon the sermon about the will of God, because I don't want you to kind of cast me into the, the pool of pastors that simply preaches um, about either, either practical things or things that might be deemed, if you're, not look, if you're looking at it in the wrong lens, more about, uh, you know, the, the welfare of the individual rather than our submission to God. But I want to say this, I truly have a desire to help people. I just want you to know that as a pastor, and, and, I, and I know I reflect the heart of other leaders in this church family, we want to be pleasing to God. And, and to be pleasing to God is to help people. And you try to help people with the, with the ability that God has committed to you. And there are some things that I can't help you with because I'm either uh, ignorant of those things or I don't have the resources available to me that I can possibly help you. But some of the things that I'm sharing along the will of God and, and of searching and determining the will of God for your life in a certain area, I do believe that I can help you. And I believe the things that I shared the last two weeks, if you will go back and re-listen to those messages and get them down in your heart, you can learn, you can learn to hear the voice of God. Because God speaks in a lot of ways, right? He directs our steps in a lot of different ways. And we just want, no matter how his word comes to me, direct to me, that doesn't matter to me. God has chosen many different routes to be able, or many different means to be able to, again, point us in the direction that he chooses. What I'm, the way and means in which he gets the word to me doesn't matter. What matters is, is that once that word is available to me, that I have the courage to advance in the direction that God has chosen. Are you out there? So I do believe, and listen, I know the, I know the negative impact, the negative impact of when we make poor decisions. I know it from, from the church family to my own life, and I do want to help us. And then I also, and there is a, there, we, there, we want to be able to distinguish between indecision and poor decision. Because sometimes indecision does not necessarily mean poor decision. It just means a delayed decision. It means that you're kind of caught in, an, in, a, in a place of uncertainty. You know, sometimes poor decisions are made in haste or they're made in rebellion to the will of God. But sometimes indecision is just that moment when you're trapped. And I chose this particular text of Scripture because it seemed to me to, to create context, not that I'm preaching about these three men that were mentioned, nameless men that were mentioned here in Jesus' ministry. But when Jesus spoke to them, it seemed like that they wanted to follow him. It seemed like there was something in their heart that was pulling them that direction, but they just couldn't fully decide. They were just caught in that moment. And I, it, it's kind of tragic that you look back and you think that here were here was three men that was probably within an arm's length of the son of the living God. God himself shrouded in flesh whom they had sung songs about as a, as a Jewish young man singing about Messiah. And they're within arm's length of him. And there's a part of their heart that wants to follow him, but they can't fully make up their mind. I'll tell you what, that's a tough place to be in when you're in indecision. So with that, again, that text only creates context for us for just a moment. And I'm not going to try to develop that text. I just wanted you to see it for just a moment of time. Now, I told you last week, again, that I believe that God 
can illuminate our path through his word. That God can quicken direction for you by revealing his will through the word of God. I want to share with you, even when you search and you're making decisions, when you make decisions, you're making decisions about yourself or your family, about your future, about a career change, about a house, a community, a school that you might go to. So many areas. One of the things we want to do is we just believe, we just believe that God will order our steps if we can be confident that we have obtained his direction, correct? And that's our pursuit. Now, one of the things that, again, that I want to just encourage you on is that we have to strive, again, to make good decisions and learn to be confident in those because I'm telling you, many of us spend the latter part of our lives recovering from the poor decisions that we have made. And the reason why I want to go to the Word of God to create the context is is because I believe the Word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. I believe Jesus himself went to the Word of God to validate decisions that he made. Let me give you an example of this. I've shared this in days gone by. When Jesus' disciples were walking through the grain fields, and the Bible says that they were stripping the heads of the wheat or the barley with their hand, and they were kind of eating it as they were traveling from one location to the other. Now, they were reproved, and Jesus was reproved by the Pharisees because the Pharisees considered that working because it was on the Sabbath day. So it was a decision that Jesus made uh, in order to allow his disciples to eat of the grain as they traveled. They would have followed him and followed his leading, but he chose to allow them this, uh, this to, to, do, to do this. Now, when he was confronted, here's what Jesus said. He said, did you not remember, do you not remember what David did? When he went, remember what I shared with you last week, he went to the house of God in the days of Abathar the priest, and he ate of the showbread, and he said, which it wasn't lawful for him to eat of, but he still ate of the bread, and God validated the decision that he made. Why am I saying that to you? I believe that the Word, Jesus looked back into the Word of God. He, he aligned his situation with something that was in the Word, and it validated the choice that he made and the choice that his disciples made. So God can speak to us out of his Word. Come on, somebody. Now, we're going to touch base on a couple things. We're going to, again, I hope that I can do a decent job of distinguishing between indecision and poor decision. Let me go ahead and share with you a little bit about David for just a moment before I take you where I really want you to go. So I mentioned last week when David went to Abathar the priest. So when he left Abathar the priest, the Bible tells us that he went to Gath where he took refuge with the Philistines. And the point I want to make at is the scripture doesn't say that he inquired of the Lord, he sought the Lord, he really passionately pursued. He just felt pressure, and from that pressure, he felt like that was a place that he could escape to. And it wasn't that long, it wasn't that long before he realized that was a poor decision because they began to talk about trying to kill him because they said, this is the one that killed our champion Goliath, and here he is delivered into our hands. And in that moment, David's realizing, man, you know what? How many of you know decisions made in haste are typically poor decisions? And that's the passage of Scripture where he had to worship like a madman. He had to act, feign, King James English, 
feign like a madman, scratch the door, let the spittle fall on his beard. And the scriptures, a lot about beard in here today. And so he let the spittle fall on his beard. So they thought he was a madman in that culture. They, they chose not to kill him because it was taboo in their religion to kill a, uh, someone mentally deranged. And so they drove him from Gath. And the Bible said he escaped to the cave of Adullam. I tell you what, I've made poor decisions in the past that when I got out of them, I feel like I escaped. I just turned, I said, I thank God I escaped that moment. But the reason why I mentioned David is, is because David tragically didn't learn enough from that moment that you look forward in time about the 28th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. That was 1 Samuel 22 the 28th or the 29th chapter, he continues to feel the pressure from Saul. And, and, and he feels that pressure, and he actually said this. He said, there's but a step, but a step between me and death. Every day he got up, he didn't know whether the henchman of Saul would take his life. And once again, he goes to Gath. And this time, though, he had the ephod. Remember the message last week? There's going to be a test. Anybody remember the ephod that had the Urim and the Thummim in it? To counsel, and he doesn't counsel with God. He just simply reacts to the pressure of the, of, of the moment, and he flees to Gath one more time. And the last time, I'll tell you what, he barely got out alive. But this time, it almost cost him his family. So I'm telling you, decisions are critical. critical, And we've got to be able to make good decisions, right, for our good and for our family. Are you out there? And so, I just want to begin to advance this thought with you for just a minute because I want to kind of flip back, if I can, and kind of touch base with indecision. Indecision is not necessarily poor decision. Sometimes it's no decision. And sometimes it's something, though, that can cripple you if you're not careful. I, I said it kind of last week. I'll say it again this week. I was unsure if I would share this. That's, you know, that's all right. all right. There's a few of you that's right there. But you know what? I'm going to be honest. I've struggled with indecision quite a bit in my past. I've, I've struggled. And I'm not just talking about deciding where to go, you know, out to eat with your family or after church. That's a, that's a whole nother story. Come on. I know I'm not alone in that one right there. Let's go out to eat. Where do you want to go? I don't know. It's only, where do you want to go? I don't know. You choose. I don't want to choose. You choose. Well, let's go. Well, I don't really want to go there today. So I... I don't know about, so I'm not really talking about that. I'm just talking about that even related to ministry and to my own, uh, you know, my family. And, and, and sometimes that indecision is because of this. It's because sometimes a decision can be so great, I don't want to put at risk the things that God has blessed my life with. And I'm not just talking about resources. So I, to a degree, I would say I'm afraid of risk. And you know what? Sometimes decisions demand risk. Right, and sometimes I've been caught in indecision. There's another part of me that just doesn't like to disappoint people, and I know that's not always a good, uh, you know, uh, character, you know, attribute to have. But it's just who I am, and and I don't want to disappoint people, and I certainly don't want to hurt my family. And there's sometimes there's a little bit too much in me personally, not perhaps not in you, but I, I just I want to please too many people. I try to please too many people. I don't want to dis. Not only do I not want to disappoint you, but I want to please you. And then sometimes over the years, I think that I believe that the will of God was too mystical, meaning I was I felt like it had to come from an angel. It had to come like the Lord would have to whisper in my heart that you need to wear black attire on Sunday. To make a decision, perhaps even a simple decision. 
Those, the reality is, is those are some of the struggles that I've endured, and, 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 when, and especially younger in life. Now, I've matured in a lot of areas, but that's the reason why I'm ministering to you confidently today, because I've matured in some of those areas. It doesn't mean that I still don't struggle with some of those things, but even ministry roadmaps. I, remember, I mentioned to you last week, and I shared with you about when a prophetic word was given to Sherry and I when we went up to Shirley to minister on a tryout sermon, and God gave us a prophetic word. Now, I've told you before, many of you are familiar with this. I don't want to go into all the details of it, but it just bears witness, though, is that we were living in Wilburn at that time in 1996 because I had left. I was still active duty Air Force. I was driving back and forth, and I just felt like that, or in 1995 going into 96, that God was going to, it was the time and the season, but it seems like I was just a little bit ahead of the Lord. And when I, we moved up to Wilburn, things didn't come about the way that I thought they would. And I just got, I, I fell into that trap of indecision, indecision. My indecision even led when I was thinking and praying about our future and my future in ministry that I wrote down five different directions that I would, could choose. And I would put them on a piece of paper and I folded them up and I shook it up and down and I would reach it in, reach in my hand, I pull it out. If I didn't like it, I would put it back and shake it up again. <laughs> and I'm just being honest with you. And as you know, I was caught in this moment where I just couldn't make my mind up. And so I had received word once one day through the course on a Wednesday when I was working in Little Rock Air Force Base. And when I got home, we didn't have cell phones in those days. And Sister Sherry said, "Hey, someone has sent word to us that there's going to be a lady who's a prophetess, and she's going to be at the Prevailing Word Christian Center tonight." And said, "You might ought to go because uh, several people in our family knew that I was in that season of indecision." Long story short, I don't want to bear to waste you away. Some of you already know this story. But when I was there, the lady prophesied a prophetic word over me using the analogy of the military because I was an active duty military member at that particular time. And she spoke a prophetic word. She didn't know anything about me. had never met me previously. And she said, God has promotion orders for you in the ministry. I mean, that's a good word. But here's what she said. Here's the reproof. She said, but those orders are sealed while God waits for you to agree with him. And he, she said, when you agree with him, God's going to promote you in ministry. Three months later, I was the pastor at Shirley Maranatha Assembly of God. So I did agree with God. But God reproved me for my, my indecision. Are you out there today? So with this, let me just say, church family, uh, indecision can be perceived, uh, listen, it can be perceived as uh, a lack of passion and drive, but that's not necessarily always the case. Well, I'll tell you what can happen, though. Indecision can create tension in your family. It can create an uncertainty because we're always wondering. You're always thinking about it. You're always talking about it. You're always looking for direction, but you never seem to have the courage to choose one. And that becomes, again, very frustrating to those that are around you. It can be perceived as a measure of a lack of vision. People are uncertain of who or what to follow if you don't really know where you're going. I know if I was flying and I got a chance, you know how when you get on board on the aircraft today for just a moment, and just before you turn to start going down the aisle, typically it's one of the pilots there, the co-pilot standing there along with one of the stewardesses might be standing there. 
And so if the pilot just said, hey, welcome aboard, sir. We don't really know where we're going today, but we'll just figure it out as we get up in the air. How many of you know you'd feel a little bit uncomfortable with that? But I also, I have learned this over the years, that I don't want to allow arrogance to be created in my heart because that can lead to poor decisions as well. You can, be, you can act very quickly and swiftly, but if you're acting from a position of arrogance, if you've ever read the history of what took place with the sinking of the Titanic when it went into the iceberg field, they had received a number of warnings to turn because of the danger of the iceberg field. But the pilot had believed the falsehood that the Titanic was unsinkable. And in doing so, continued to press forward when a better decision would have been to turn and go a different direction. So there's a little bit of balance there. But there are times in life when hesitation is acceptable. But there are other times when the inability to make a decisive decision can hinder your future. And one of the things that I've often looked to do is I look to the Word of God to say, okay, Father, I see this, and I've kind of struggled with it in my past. Can, is there anything that I can learn from the lives of men and women in the Word of God that can help me uh, in that moment to kind of identify? Because I could see them in their successes, but I can also see them in their struggle. That's why I value the Word of God so much is God tells the whole story. He doesn't just show us when men are full of power and faith. Two times in the last four days, Elijah on Mount Carmel has been mentioned. Jason on Wednesday, Shane on Sunday. And it's a powerful thing because he led the people to a very decisive decision. After, uh, after God answered by fire, remember what he, my, Elijah had said. He said, how long halt you between two opinions? How long are you going to be indecisive? When are you going to make a decision? And he's bold and he's authoritative and he speaks a word and he knows this is God's will. But it's not long, and that same prophet is sitting under a juniper tree, not knowing if he wants to continue in ministry. He's, put, he's wrote five things down on a piece of paper like me and picking them out. Is it time to retire? Maybe it's time to relocate. Maybe it's time to go to another. Are you out there today? And when I see that, that helps me identify. Because as long as my heart is still pure before God, God can, God can move me beyond indecision, Right? Moses was 80 years old when the Lord was speaking to him out of a burning bush. You want God to speak to you? What about when a bush lights up and the voice of God begins to be heard and you are so moved that you got to cast your shoes off your feet? You know this. I mean, sometimes people have spoken to me, and I don't know if that's the supernatural voice of God speaking to them. But I'm telling you, if a bush ever lit up, you know, out on the farm, and God, and I heard his audible voice, you would think I would be ready to take that word and go forward. But when Moses heard the word of God, he's like stammering and indecision. I, I, I don't know. Are you talking to me? I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. Maybe at one time in the past I thought I could do it, but I'm not for sure. Now it's not the time. I'm not for sure. I've got a family. I'm living in Midian. I've got a wife. I've got a couple of kids. I don't know. Maybe possible. Maybe not. Are y'all out there today? It just helps me as I see this in Scripture, some pivotal moments in the lives of others. And there's a, a plurality of these, and you can look at them in your own life. And I'm going to expedite a couple of things, and I'm going to take you very distinctly and make it personal for you in for, uh, just a few moments. But here's a passage of Scripture that I do want to show you because I want to look at one of the apostolic fathers who was searching for the will of God, and it's the Apostle Paul. Now, when you look in the book of Acts, how many of you like to read the Scripture? And when you see how God spoke to the, 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 the apostles about direction, 
And we think about the Spirit of God speaking to them. The Lord spoke to Peter and said, go here. The Lord spoke to Paul and said, go here. But did you know the book of Acts commences with these men casting lots to choose the apostle who would take the place of Judas? But when, so they struggled early, but the Spirit of God seems to have corrected them once they received the fullness of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But that doesn't mean everything is always just worked out. You just sometimes have to just kind of press through some things. And in Acts chapter 16 are three verses of Scripture that have really helped me when I've contemplated again, saying, all right, so indecision, that, that difficult moment, that kind of uncertainty of saying, all right, how do I know that this is the Lord? Look at verse number 6. It said, this is Paul's, I believe, second missionary journey, and they're making their journey. And here in the sixth verse, they've been going through various places. If I, if I would have read earlier, they've been moving from city to city as the Lord opened doors for them. But verse number 6, when they had gone throughout Pergia and the region of Galatia, Look at this. They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word, of, the word in Asia. And so then they came down to Messiah, where they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And so now, so they, so they wanted to go here. So look at it with me for a moment. Try to look at it from my lens for a moment. Try to look at it not in the context of that it was always just clear for the apostle. Look at it for a moment where the apostle said, well, we want to go here. But then something happened that kind of closed that door. They said, well, let's go over here. And then they go over there. That doesn't seem to be the right direction. And they're just in that moment here where they're just saying, where is it at? How do I find it? And then and, and they passed by Messiah and came down to Troas. And then I didn't give them the ninth verse. But in the ninth verse, finally the Lord spoke to them in a vision. And then they got the word to go to Macedonia. And why would I bring that up? I just wanted you to see an apostolic father who's searching for the will of God. But the will of God was to always easily discernible and he's waiting and he's striving and he's attempting to go here but things aren't just working out that helps me to know that I'm not alone in my indecision at times but it also says pastor Brown you got to continue to press forward and you got to seek the Lord for God's direction come on somebody another passage of scripture here before I make it personal to you in just a moment this one's rather unique in the book of Philippians Paul is perhaps near the end of his life and in the book of Philippians here, he's, he's writing back when he went, remember he went to Macedonia, that's where the scripture says he founded the church at Philippi. Later, he's writing back to them, and he's addressing a couple of things. And look what he said. He said, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. But notice what he said. Yet what I shall choose, I what not. King James English, I know not. What shall I choose, I don't really know. Can you see that? Is that what it says? Are you out there? Here's the apostle. Now, what, what, what's the decision that he's having to make? It's a grave decision. The 23rd verse, let's read it on down from that. I'm in a straight betwixt two. Have you ever been there? Where you're just like, man, both of these seem good. Both of these seem, but I, I just can't see the decide. It's one thing when it's obvious this is the right thing, this is the wrong thing. That's easy to make a decision on. But what about when you got two good things? What's, the, what's Paul stuck with? Having a desire. It seems as if... It seems as if by the context of the scripture that God is allowing Paul to choose whether it's time for him to be taken into heaven or whether to die, which means to die, or whether to continue to live, which is far, he said, to be with Christ is far better. 24th verse, let's read it down. 
Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And in the 25th verse, he says, I'm confident that I'm going to abide and to help you in your furtherance of faith. That's helped me. It's helped me as I've grown. Why am I sharing this with you today? It's because I still struggle with indecision at times, but I can honestly say, by the grace of God, I've learned to overcome and to, and, and, and to find God's will in this journey that we call life. And I want to help you. How can I help you overcome indecision? By teaching you how to make better decisions. Come on, somebody. Amen. And that's what I want to do today. I believe in what I'm going to share with you in closing today, some bullet points. I told you last week, I've been the bullet point pastor as of late. I'm not going to ask who's been writing them down. But I want to say this, you should. Because they're, they're quick, they're, they're very to the point. But I'm telling you, if you'll think on those things and get them in your spirit, they'll help you. So I want to, let's, let's take one step back for a moment because we're getting close to closing off a three-part sermon that I began to start the new year. Why did I go this direction? Why? And I want you to think about that as a pastor. I have a decision to make every Sunday, every Sunday. I have to pray through the course of the week and say, God, these people are coming out and they're going to worship you, yes, but they're going to come to hear the word of God. And I've got to have something that will help them in their journey of faith. And I strive and I seek to have a direction for you. And I really believe that as we went into the new year, that there were going to be a number within our church family that this is going to be a year of, de of decisions that you were making that could be major decisions. It could be life-changing, altering decisions. Whether it, Again, there's so many categories. I don't have to repeat them to you. And as your pastor, I really felt like if I could go to the Word first, number one, and then also go to my own personal experiences, number two, that from a position of experience, not just copy and paste, not just Google search, not just copy and download somebody else's experience, but from my own personal struggle to what I have learned and gleaned from the Word of God, if I could share that with you, and if I can help you find God's will for your life, then you, come on somebody, we may alter the direction of generations. We may alter, the, the, again, when I've seen people make poor decisions and spend the next 10 years trying to recover from a poor decision sometimes made in haste. So there, it is in my heart to help you to make good decisions, right, to teach you. So number one today, quickly, the will of God can be obtained when you pray with fasting. So it's one thing to talk about the will of God. It's one thing to ponder the will of God. It's another thing to be able to say, you know what, which one do I choose no, it's another thing entirely different to set aside a season of fasting and pray passionately about the will of God. Did you know that in Acts chapter number 13, before Paul commenced on his missionary journey, the Bible says that they were praying and fasting before the Lord when the Lord spoke a prophetic word and said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein I've called them. Maybe sometimes we don't get the direction that we need. It's because we don't pray with fasting. Rather, we pray fast. Come on now. Why did I attach thy will be done 
the will of the Lord be done, because that's a phrase that you find in the book of Acts, that sometimes that becomes a part of your prayer. Lord God, whichever direction, I'm going to trust that you're going to work this all out for your glory and for our good. We're going to pray the will of the Lord be done. We're going to ask God for clarity and direction, and we're going to be confident. Number two, don't force things. You want to learn to make better decisions? Then don't force things. If the door's not open, don't run through it. You got to learn to read closed doors as readily as an open door. I'm preaching way better than y'all are shouting right now. I'm just telling you the truth. The Apostle Paul learned God's voice as much from a closed door as an open door. And sometimes we don't like closed doors if we've already determined in our heart that that's the direction we should go. Remember what Proverbs says. It says that in a man's heart he will devise his way, but the Lord will direct his path. Sometimes you devise your own way in your heart and you think that you've got to force your way through this situation. Listen, you've got to be very, very careful because when God's in it, we typically don't have to force things. So I want to say this to you. If you don't know what to do, listen, there's a difference between indecision and waiting on the Lord, right? Indecision is, listen, it's is, is not waiting on the Lord. It's not indecision. If you don't have clear direction and you're seeking God and you're waiting, then you stay right there. You be patient. The Lord, as you wait upon him, he will direct your steps. I believe that. So don't force it. Wait on God. Number three today, I've learned this over the, uh, the course of my life. Sometimes you've got to take small steps en route to big decisions. <laughs> sometimes you've got to ease into things a little bit. You know, sometimes you've got to just go. You remember during the days of Gideon, they called that a fleece. You know, we still use that. I don't know if it's right. I don't know that we should in the spirit-filled generation which we live in. But Gideon sought the will of God kind of easing into it. And I'll tell you, there's some things in my life. I really see Paul in Acts chapter 16 learning the will of God by easing into it. Easing into it. He didn't know where he should go, but he just kind of eased into it. He kind of went here, and he was kind of like, God, is your blessing on this? He arrived in the city, and the Lord said, no, I want you to go to Macedonia. So take small steps en route to big decisions. I think it's an important part of learning to make good decisions. Number four, and perhaps one of the most important, seek counsel. How do you believe a lot of poor decisions that we've made in the past if we would have just sought somebody. But let me just tell you this. You can't just seek people who will tell you what you want to hear. You've got to go to somebody that loves you enough that will look at your situation. If you come to me, I, and when I was younger in ministry, I struggled with this. Because once again, my nature is to please people. My nature is, uh, if you want to call it black, I'll call it black. If you want to call it red, I'll call it black I'll, or red. I'll just try to help you, whatever. I want you to be happy. But I've grown out of a lot of that after pastoring for these many years. And now I'm at the point, if you come to me and you want my opinion of it, I'm going to give you my opinion of it. I'm going to tell you whether I think that's a poor decision or a good decision for you and your family. And if I don't have a word from the Lord, I won't tell you. But I do believe, I do believe we could gain the will of God in our lives if we would come together with, the, uh, with a one or a few, a multitude of counsel of godly men and women. I believe you could obtain direction. Doesn't mean you'll have the faith to go forward. Doesn't mean you'll have the courage. But at least you'll have the light that the Lord quickened because there's safety in a multitude of counsel. Right? So seek counsel. Hear that from me today. Number five, listen to your spirit. Remember, does anybody remember the sermon at all? I ought to go sit down last week. Last week. The Urim and the Thummim. The Urim and the Thummim. Inside of you is the peace of God. The Spirit of God brings peace to your heart. 
right? So don't ever fail to check what's in your spirit. What's God speaking to your spirit? Listening, learning, that's a development. It's a part of maturing. It's something that we all have to do and we must learn to do and grow in listening to the voice of God. It's a part of the decision-making process. Number six, sometimes you just need to count the cost. Sometimes when I'm making it, this is where I've at, arrived at the place now, I've learned that the will of God can be determined through a pencil. Through a pencil on a piece of paper, not putting five choices and picking them out, but sometimes I simply have to look at resources. Resources that says for this time and season that I'm in right now, we don't have the resources. And resources not just money because I know God can always provide resources. I know that, but resources are much more. What about the effect on us? What about our mental what about where we're at mentally? What about our relationships? You Sometimes you just got to sit down with pen and paper. Remember what Jesus taught in Luke chapter 14 when he taught the principle and he said, listen, he said a king, before he goes out to war against 20,000 and he's only got 10,000 in his army, he said he's got to sit down first and count the cost. Sometimes just counting the cost will determine God's direction for you. Right, and sometimes I can guarantee you this. I know I'm preaching to people that made poor decisions in the past. Sometimes you didn't listen to what the ledger recorded. You looked at the ledger and you said, well, I'm just going to do it anyhow. And I tell you what, typically that's one of those poor decisions that will cost you more on the back end than it would on the front end if you would have just let the, let the ledger determine your direction. Come on, that's good, church family. I know y'all aren't shouting me down today, but I know, but I'm telling you, this is in my heart. I believe that I followed the direction that the Lord has. There's just four more, and I'm going to close the message, and I'm going to close this series off. And I'll have fulfilled what I believe God put in my heart to drop in your spirit, because I can say this to you with all the sincerity of faith that's in me. I want nothing but your best. I want nothing but the, but, but the good of your family. I've learned, this is one thing I had to learn over the years, and I want to help you with this. In seeking God's decision for your life, sometimes you have to look at your own giftings. Because sometimes you have a desire to do something that you're not gifted to do. Come on, church family, are you catching that? You know, there's a part of me that, you know, I, I, I think about, you know, the prophetic ministry, and I like that, and I think there's an excitement to it at times, and I think there's an itinerating ministry, but then I look deep within my heart, and I find much more gifting towards shepherding than prophesying. Are you out there today? And over the years, I learned that despite a desire that I may have inside of me, God didn't gift me in that direction. And once I've learned to look at that, then it's kept me in the safe place. And I'll tell you where the safe place is. Let me tell you where the safe place is for you. The will of God. And that's what this whole series is about is the will of God. That's the safest place for you to be in. Doesn't mean you won't be challenged. Doesn't mean you won't have obstacles. Don't mean that the enemy doesn't know where you're at. But I'm telling you, that's the place I can go to bed at night, every night, with the peace of God on my heart because I'm safe in the will of God. So your gifting may determine your decision. And if that's where counsel sometimes will come in, if you'll ask the right people. You'll ask the right people. They'll say, listen, listen, you know what? I'm going to just be honest. So there are a lot of people, let's take basketball, for example. That's something that I have learned growing up about is that there are a lot of people who have a dream to be in the NBA. And they're five foot three Caucasian. They have an 18-inch vertical leap. They can't shoot outside. And they somehow feel like, this is my dream. I'm going to pursue my dream. That's good. Pursue your dream. But there's going to come a day you realize that you are not quite gifted and talented enough to be there in that environment. 
And you better learn that inside of you are some other giftings. Value those giftings, right? I can't, I can't come up here every Sunday and feel grieved because I can't prophesy like Pastor Andre. Like I can't prophesy like Pastor Andre. No, I can't do that. But you know what I can do? I can walk through the midst of this church family hugging and loving and shepherding and let you walk out of this room knowing that you are loved by God and loved by this church family and that we're willing to teach you and encourage you in the Lord. Right? Because my gifting has determined my direction. Number eight, I just think this is critical. You've got to always consider your family when you're making decisions. When you're making life-altering decisions, it's not just your life that's going to be altered. And what a shame when we don't take into consideration our spouses. What's the effect of your decision on your children? What's the effect of your, this decision on your spouse? What about their career? What about their contentment? What about their peace? That you, You're looking for peace. What about their peace? What about the thing in their heart and life? So when you're putting these principles deep in your heart, so I've got so many of these. There's only 10, but I'm just telling you, it's not something that you've got to always just say, okay, is this, decision, is this point number one or principle? These just become a part of who you are. I learned over the years I was not going to make a decision that I felt like was going to, that was going to negatively impact my family. Because I just wouldn't believe that was the will of God for us. Because it wasn't just me. It wasn't just Lee A. Brown Ministries Incorporated. But it was the Brown family. Come on, somebody, the Brown family. Consider your family. Number nine today, as I'm getting, getting very close to closing, when you're making decisions that's going to affect your future, do you ever consider your own spiritual health? Hmm. Got real quiet in here, didn't it? What about jobs, opportunities? Sometimes opportunities are presented to us, and I tell you what, it looks so good. But it starts to pull us away. Pull us away from our church family. Pull us away from devotion. Pull us away from, from dedication to the house of God. Come on, somebody. I just believe that if I'm making a decision for the glory of God and for the good of my family, I have to factor my spiritual health in and say, you know what? I would rather have less monetarily and have the blessing and have the blessing that comes with being faithful to God. You know what? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell, come on somebody, in a tent of unrighteousness. And I want to encourage you, consider your own spiritual health and your family. Let that be a part of your decision-making process. And lastly today, as I close and invite Daryl on the platform, and I am way ahead. Y'all going to owe me 30 minutes next time. I got a good amen from Jeff and a lot of laughter from other people. So that's all right. Number 10 today. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you got to just have faith. You got to just trust God. When you're at that moment of indecision and you factored in a lot of these things in your heart, but if He's calling you, if He's calling you in a certain direction, I'll tell you what, sometimes it takes faith just to put one leg out of the boat on the turbulent water and say, people don't normally walk on water, but he's calling me. Come on, somebody, right? So it just takes faith. It just, you, there's, it, there, things cannot be so construed in a way that there's no possible risk. There's always risk, right? 
And it's going to take faith for you to move forward in your life. But I'll tell you what, what I've learned as I close with you today, I don't believe, I don't believe that God is the God that always bails us out of our poor decisions. Now, I believe he's faithful, but I do believe he'll leave you there long enough. Listen, I'm telling you, it's a good thing that my children made good decisions and, 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 and didn't get in jail and been calling me up to bail them out because Leroy would have probably said, you can enjoy that cot down there until you choose that you like living in our house a little bit better. Come on, somebody. That's how I would have felt. Thank the Lord I didn't have to deal with that, and I praise God for that. However, I want to say this. God is not the God of the bailout generation, right? Now, listen, he is the God of the recovery, right? He's the God that will faithfully bring you back. But I'm telling you, if you keep making poor decisions and you just think God's going to always bail me out, I'll tell you what, it won't be long. You'll be like David. You'll be at Ziklag, and the village will be burning, and your family will be gone, and you'll be wondering, where is God, right? And so I want you to know, church family, you need to learn these principles in your heart and get them deeply embedded into your spirit. And as you mature and grow in faith, number one, not only can you overcome indecision, but you'll also overcome poor decisions. And you'll, how do you do that? How do you, because you gain the confidence when you've made good decisions. What I call good decision is a decision that God has favored. God's blessings upon it. You see it. It's not just about your gain, but it's about what you can give to the good of others. So I trust the Lord as I close a three-part message series on the will of God. I believe that God's going to order your steps. I believe that the Lord's going to direct your path. I believe that he's going to lead you in a plain path. I believe that the Urim and the Thummim it's going to be burning in your heart. And you're going to say, you know what? This is the peace of God. I've reached inside. I've been praying about God's will. And I reached inside my heart by faith. And I found God's peace in this area. And God gave me peace. Oh, it was a challenge. It was a struggle. It took risk. But you know what? God gave me peace. And I began to pursue it. I began to overcome my hesitancies like I've had in the past. I've learned that this is, I'm you. I'm just praying that I'm praying like you for just a moment of time. That says, God, when I've made poor decisions in the past, you were faithful. You chastened me when I needed to be chastened. You corrected me with sound instruction. And you directed my path. And Lord, you're faithful. Come on, somebody. And you're leading me in a plain path. What is a plain path? A plain path is a direction that God clearly reveals to you and you go in that direction and you begin to live your life in this mindset God I am blessed to be a blessing it almost seems like the culture of our church of the, of the church for the last 20 years has been stuck on being blessed being blessed oh I want to be blessed let me tell you your whole life will change when you say I'm blessed to be a blessing it's not about me, it's about us. It's about we. What can I do to help your life? What can I do to help you be who God's called you to be? I'm telling you, that's the will of God for your life. Whatever career you choose, your career choice is simply, is it a place where I can be blessed to be a blessing? The will of God, I believe you can find it. When you're faithful to the Lord. And he will lead you in a plain path.
our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I'm going to give a twofold invitation today. I want you to know today there's not a single place in this world where you can go where you say, Pastor, I just, I don't feel loved. You can feel love when you walk through the doors at First Assembly. We care. We believe, I believe that. Our church family cares. I'm not saying we're without imperfections. I'm not saying we don't struggle in certain areas. But I want you to know we care for you, for, the, for God's grace in your life, his direction for you, and we want nothing but his best in your life. You know, going back as your heads are bowed, there's twofold, twofold context. I originally looked in Luke chapter 9 when three men were confronted. They were confronted by a call of the Messiah to truly leave everything and follow him. And they hesitated in indecision. You know, I could be preaching to somebody here today. I could be preaching to somebody. See, I remember that they were within arm's length of the Messiah, but they weren't following him. We may say they were followers of, but they weren't following. Maybe you, somebody, you're somebody that you come to church. Maybe you're somebody that, that, that you know, you, uh, occasionally you'll come out to a church and you say, I believe in God, but have you really chosen to follow the Lord or have you stumbled in indecision? If that's you today and you say, Pastor Brown, man, I want to make a decision to follow Christ with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind. I want to be fully His. Pastor Brown, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? If that's you, slip your hand up today. I see a hand right there. Thank you. Anyone else today? That's, the, that's a beautiful thing. Someone raising their hand saying, that's me. Pastor Brown, you're, pray, you're, 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 you're speaking to me today. Number two today. Closing the series, The Will of God. Pastor Brown, I'm still in that moment, and I'm kind of in a season of indecision. And I just need God's clarity. I need His direction. We prayed last week. We're, not, we're, we're praying this week. I don't believe that we just pray and walk away from it. We pray until we wait. We wait on the Lord. Pastor Brown, I'm, I'm at that moment. I, things are... I can't, I can't stay in the spirit of indecision long. I can't stay. The situation's going to change. I'm going to have to make a decision. Pastor, would you pray with me today? If that's you, slip your hand up today. I see a number of hands going up today. Lastly today, quickly, real quickly, if you're here and you say, Pastor, around 2023, there are some changes coming to my life. I need God to lead me in a plain path. Slip your hand up today, real quickly, if you can. There are hands all over. Everybody stand up with me today. Let's pray. Let's do something today. Let's do something. Let's hide everyone. Let's hide everyone in the safety of the multitude. Can we do that for a minute? Let's hide everybody in the safety of the multitude. I'm not going to have the one person that raised their hand. I'm not going to isolate that person. I'm not going to have the next eight or ten that raised their hand that said, very specifically, I'm at a, a timeline soon. I've been stuck in indecision. I'm not going to expose them. I'm not going to expose the probably 25 other people that raised their hand that said this year, I've got to make a decision on some things. Why don't we hide in the safety of the multitude? Why don't us all come together for a closing prayer today? Let's step forward. You know what you're praying about. You know, you're, you know the thing that is so much on your heart. You, it may be job. It's career-minded. It's family-related. 
uh, those are all part of living. Don't be ashamed that you're having to make decisions related to family, related to home, related to work, related to your health, so many things. Don't be ashamed. Rather, let's have faith to trust that God's going to lead us. Let's believe God together. Father, come on, let's turn this house into a house of prayer. It's not even 1130. As it's 1132 right now. we got a couple of minutes we got to just pray, to wait on the Lord. Father, there was one precious lady that raised her hand when I said about making a complete surrender to you, a decision to surrender wholly. And I want to pray for that precious lady today, Father, that God, that in her heart, she sells all to follow you. And I'm not talking about physically selling everything. I'm talking about in her heart and mind. She is separating from anything that hinders her to say, God, I am fully yours in Jesus' mighty name. To be completely the Lord's. I pray for her today, God. I pray with her. Sister, I hope you're praying today. <laughs> Submitting your life to the Lord. He, you, you've been following him from afar, but now you've become a true follower of the Lord. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow him with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. Be fully his. Fully his. Fully. He'll lead you. He'll lead you into a safe place. He will. I believe that today. Father God, I come today as the pastor of this great host. And I've asked our church family to hide in the safety of the multitude today. Among us are men and women that raise their hand at a couple of different things or opportunities or, or confessions about decisions. Whether it be indecision or making better decisions or the need to make a decision in this year. God, you know their heart. Come on, I want you right now to begin to think about the situation that you're praying about. I want you to begin to think about it. And let's lay it before the Lord today. Let's lay it before the Lord. And let's say, Father, your will be done. God, you cast the light. You illuminate our path. You lead us in the place that we should go. You order our steps, God. Father God, let your word direct us, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God. Give us a word. Give us prophetic direction, God. Give us the peace of God, Father, in the name of Jesus. And when that direction is determined, God, give us the courage to go forward in faith in Jesus' name. God, I pray over the men and women that have their hands raised up. And I know, Lord, I know the Spirit of the Lord directed me in this sermon series, God. And I've done everything in my power pastorally to help them. And I pray that the principles that I have sown in their heart, Father God, are, are written on the tablet of their heart. Not just a sermon, not just a message, not just a fleeting thought, but a principle that will begin to be lived out in their life, Father. Let these things become a part of their decision-making process. So God, I pray, I am praying, let us have in the days ahead. I want to ask this. Let us have, Father, testimonies in this church. Testimonies from the people that are under the sound of my voice right now that will come back and say, Pastor Brown, you were exactly right. I was pondering something. I was pondering direction. And the words that you dropped in my spirit helped me to discover the will of God to find that the Lord led me in a plain path.
And when he did, God gave me the courage to go forward. And I saw the goodness of God in the land of the living. God, I'm gonna bl- I prophesied that over my church family. I prophesied over their heart and minds, God, that you're going to lead them in a plain path, Father. You're going to direct your, their steps. Your will will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We pray the prayer of Acts chapter number 20, the will of the Lord be done. And we believe we're going to follow it, Father, by faith in Jesus' name. And all God's children said amen and amen and amen. Thank you so much. I love you.